Welcome to the Bless Up Podcast. Uh, this is a sad day for people in barber shops, in shoe stores everywhere across the nation, and for every hip hop fan that's that's ever existed. Uh, yeah, we've lost a great DMX, and we just want to take a second to give homage to to DMX. He was a lot more than barking and up in here. DMX was in a constant search for who he was. And if you actually listen to his albums, he was in a constant search for God in the midst of that. So, man, I, I'm grateful that today I believe he's seen him. I believe he's seen him. So shout out to DMX and the Rough Riders. Yeah, hard loss. R.I.P. Bump, 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 bump. This is the blood. Hi, Jonathan. <laughs> I can't stand you. All right, I JD. Hope you're doing well, Jonathan. JD, that, that's the pre music <laughs> intro for this episode. <laughs> this is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. everybody welcome back this is the bless up podcast i'm rachel here with our usual Corey and james and we have another guest this week um who i, I just want to point out that i am sharing a microphone with because my husband did not want to come across the table <laughs> and, and share this, a mic. Is, this is my spot and so yeah he did not want to give up his spot so i am currently elbow to elbow rubbing arms uh with the Amanda Codespody. Who's Amanda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I only came on so that Corey would do my intro and say really nice things about me. And that that's what I got. But, <laughs> maybe um, maybe <laughs> next time. <laughs> maybe at the end. Maybe you can wrap it up. We'll see how this okay. goes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week, this week we want to talk about um, the buzzword in the church of mission. Um, I feel like mission is thrown around all the time. Um, it gets it gets a nice uh, one word name like go like everywhere. Um, mission mission is made so much more difficult than it has to be, um, especially as we get older. We put so much pressure on how we do things and making things look a certain way, but it does not have to be complicated. And that's what we want to talk about today. And so um, as we get started. I want to pose the question, what in your life changed in a way you did not anticipate once you had kids? What in your life changed in a way you did not anticipate once you had kids? I, I it's, it's weird. I don't know how to quite explain it, but it's almost like whenever uh, our first child, Sarah, was born, I felt like I was a person who was like frozen in time, like not like time didn't stop. I just did in that like in that like culture moved on. Movies moved on. Music moved on. TV shows moved on. Friends sadly moved on. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Literally. But yeah. like like I stayed still. And so like 
my references suddenly that were like hot before Sarah was born became outdated because like those aren't cool anymore, but I wasn't able to keep up with what was cool. Uh, I feel like what my friends were like into or the things that they were doing, like I wasn't as funny or as fun to be around anymore because like they, you know, they were into different things. That's so last year. And I'm like, I just like stayed in last year. And I don't know like what contributes to that. If it's just like, you don't have time to keep up with everything. Or if it's just like, I don't know, like, like if you're just frozen in this moment in time and that's, that's why we always thought our parents weren't cool is because like they're frozen (laughs) in whatever moment in time they had us. Like maybe that's a thing. Um, but, but yeah, like it's, 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 it was, that's what happened to me was it was just like everything moved on. And I just felt like my ability to like keep up with culture and like what was relevant just stopped. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have that problem because my life is already a period piece from 2007. So <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't quite, I didn't quite have that issue. I feel you. Yeah. When Sarah was born, like my family, we all were born around the same time. So I don't remember any of them being babies per se because we were all, I like, I think I was like six or seven when the last of my cousins was born. So I don't remember them being babies. But when Sarah was born, that was the first time that I like loved someone who didn't exist, like she existed, but someone I couldn't see. And then like when Jada was born, like, yeah, it was just this whole other, yeah, we had been married for three months. And then I came home and Julia was like, we're having a baby. And it was just this, like, it was all happening at once. And when she was born, like, marriage was so much transition already. And we had moved and we had started Citizens. And it was just, like, all happening at once. And it was so much transition that, like, when she was born, I was just... I was kind of like, all right, I guess I was just put on an extra seatbelt. But like there was there was really good and dope ways that like my life changed. It was I have like what I like to call like CYS. I have chronic yes syndrome. Mm. So I just say yes to stuff. Yeah. Like without. Yeah. Yep. It's like a part of my people pleasing. I just say yes to stuff. I can affirm that Jada was an automatic no. Like, her being born was, like, an automatic, unsolicited no. Because I'm like, yeah, sorry, I can't do that. Can't. I got can't. a baby now. I've got a baby. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, yeah, almost four years in now, like, yeah, it's just, it, it's changed everything. My wiring, I never grew up saying, like, oh, I'm going to grow up and, like, have some babies. I'm going to grow <laughs> up. And, like, I'm going to grow up and be a dad. Like, I never, that was never, like... But man, yeah, it's it's changed everything, and for the better, and for the better. Amen. I'm a way better James as a dad of that little princess. Yeah. So it's so funny because, of course, that's all I wanted growing up. Like all I wanted yeah. was to be a mom and to be married and live kind of this happily ever after. And I, I was ready. I was primed. I was going to be the best mom that you could. 
be. I, I read books. Mm-hmm. I talked to friends. I was mm-hmm. a first grade teacher. You know, like I was so ready. <laughs> I'm prepared and, for this. <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, guys, when we brought Fia home, she was the worst. Baby. <laughs> she was the worst. And I cried so much the first year of her life. And I remember sobbing to my husband, Joe. I said, I don't even know when to brush my teeth. It is never day. It is never night. It is just one long, endless day that I am stuck in. And he just has this look of fear. I still remember it's probably the middle of the night. He has this look of fear on his face. And he whispers, he says, do you regret having her? And I was like, no. But you know, there were moments. There were there were moments <laughs> when sometimes. I thought I can't get through this. And so, but it was the best thing ever to happen to me because I learned in the first year just how out of control parenting is. Mm-hmm. You, that you have zero control. <clears throat> over what your kids do. And so I think the thing that changed for me the most is that no matter how much I try, I cannot order my world. I cannot shape my kid to be who I want them to be yep. all the time. I feel like I feel like Fia's whole existence now and the joy and the peace that she brings is God's grace to you. <laughs> yes. Like I don't think God ever apologizes for anything that he does. He just like maybe he like makes up for it later. He's <laughs> like, look, you'll you'll get this you'll get this back. Like yes. you she's gonna be great. Like just just stick it out. That's good. There wasn't there wasn't that much for me that I remember changing after Sarah was born, um, for me it was Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Kaylee was the kid that changed everything because we had a, we mm-hmm. had our girls, our first two, back to back. Like it was like boom, boom. I remember when I found out I was pregnant with Kaylee, staring at Sarah and going, "Oh my gosh, you can do nothing, and there is going to be two of them." Mm-hmm. I think what changed for me was my tolerance for anything that felt remotely trivial um any kind of any kind of thing that's that felt uh petty i had no ability to sugarcoat anything after kaylee was born so it was like after she was born uh i i i just got straight to the point there was no sugarcoating there was no there was no patience for things it was hey this is what it is and um if that upsets you i'm very sorry and and that was it like i entirely lost my ability to sugarcoat or deal with anything trivial after she she wasn't really sorry all right so then here's the question when when everything in your life turns upside down maybe it's kids maybe it's an unforeseen job change maybe it's graduating from college whatever it is when your life suddenly flips on its head and you have to find a new way to engage with the calling on your life, <clears throat> how do you do that? How, how do you do that? How do you have grace for yourself? How do you find new rhythms? How do you figure out how to re-engage the calling on your life when your whole life flips on its head? So first of all, <clears throat> I just want to take a second to validate um, the feelings of spiraling into utter hell 
uh, as a result of like your life completely changing when you start a family. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can remember prior to Sarah being born, all of us at this table um, going absolutely like like running ourselves into the ground with how much we yeah. were like we were doing uh for the sake of the church for the sake of the kingdom um and when you are faced with the reality of like now like I don't even have that time that much time to give um <clears throat> there's like there's all kinds of stuff that happens there's guilt because you're like I feel like I'm letting people down but then there's also guilt on the other side of that because you're like I feel like I would be letting my family down or this new baby down or my spouse down like there's there's guilt that sets in there's you know like there's all kinds of things like you don't really know like how you're going to make this up and you just every decision just feels like an emotional one and like your your life just feels like one giant question mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Sarah was born in 2014, from 2014 to 2015, I could argue that every decision I made was incredibly questionable. Um, <laughs> to be honest, like, I mean, I, I I got hilarious stories for another podcast, you know, about like things that decisions I would make waking up in the morning. And then like by five o'clock that day, I come home and be like, okay, actually, here's what we're going to do. New plan that's transpired over the past eight hours. Like it was great. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. So like that's an incredibly valid, like, like that happens. That's real. And if that's you and you feel like, you know, you're starting a family or having started a family, like through everything. And you feel like, you know, you, you, you haven't gotten back to any sense of like living on mission or feeling like you're, you're doing as much for God or for the kingdom because now you have a family and all that kind of stuff. Like the rest of this is for you. And we are like fortunate. Here's, here's your nice introduction. Here, here's your softball. <laughs> like we are fortunate to be, to be joined by somebody who I know like does this really, really well. Mm-hmm. So and I think, yeah, the whole time you were talking, I just kept on thinking if there are young parents listening to this today, the one thing that I want you to know is that there is such grace for you that we as the church, and I've been part of it. I feel like I can say that the three other people sitting here have been part of it, that we have done you, I'm going to get really honest, we have done you a disservice by when you walk into the doors of a church that we tell you all the things that you should be doing Mm -hmm. rather than owning the responsibility of caring for you, of loving you, of equipping you. It's a big word. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that I see over and over and over over again and I want church to be a place to be a people where young families feel safe where they feel loved where they say let me hold your baby you haven't worshipped in months you haven't slept in months I can worship anytime I want to give me that baby but instead they walk in our doors and we say hey you got to be on mission hey would you like to volunteer in the nursery hey would you like to do this and we add to 
this laundry list of things that are already in their life rather than having the long range view that if we begin to equip young families, young children, that our church won't be the mess it is now in 20 years. And so I think that's the word for young families. And I can go into, as the podcast goes on, all the crazy things we tried. My kids are 14, 13, and 11, and you name it, we tried it when the kids were young. We did ridiculous things, and it was fun, and it was an adventure, but there was a lot of grace for us being a young family, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, that hits, that like, hits my soul in so many ways, Mandy. And I guess my question would be like, so, man, I hear that and I love that. So what does it look like? Like, what does it look like in real time? Because I know I like, man, even in like going by vocational, that was a move that like, so that I could like be home sooner and like giving up a lot of responsibility, like towards our community was like a very conscious move. Like, I'm home most days now way earlier than I would be. And I guess the question is, like, what does that look like to do together as a family? Like, what does it look like to, yeah, walk in the tension, I guess, of, like, or is it tension of between mission and healthy family life? Like, what does that look like? That's so when Rachel called me about this, I said, oh my gosh, doing mission with kids is so much easier. Kids drive mission. Mm. It is so easy. I actually, I am starting to get sad that my kids will leave because I think, what am I going to do when they leave? Because they drive everything we do. Kids are the greatest missionaries that you will have because everybody loves kids. So when we were, when my kids were young, every week we would go to the library, right? Every week from the time Fia was six weeks old, we went for nine years and It was the greatest. We would take cookies, we would take bread, and we got to know Pete was our favorite librarian, and we sent him Christmas cards, and he didn't have any kids, and he was single, and he would hang them on his fridge, and then Pete started bringing us donuts in, and bread, and muffins, and we developed this relationship with Pete. Pete wasn't my mission, but he was this person we loved in the places we visited every day. Everyone who knows me, if you are listening to this podcast, you know Steve, our neighbor Steve. Steve is not our mission. He is our neighbor. But we have consistently loved Steve over the years. It's Kids cause you to be present where you're at. Yeah. And I think it is the truest sense of mission because what we do as adults is we don't make it about God and what he wants and where he's present. We make it about our own glory and trying to do the biggest thing and helping the neediest person. And can we get our name out there? But that's not what it's about. It's about being present at the grocery store, at the library, at the museum, at the shops that you visit every single week, even at the school. Now our neighbors are the local elementary school and we're doing things for them 
all the time because we love them. It's where our kids were loved. And so I would say for you, just rethinking what is mission, that we've moved away from mission being overseas and having to buy a plane ticket and go somewhere else. But I'm not sure that we've thought small enough um, in terms of mission. Mm. That that phrase that you said, you said it two different times in two different ways, and it's so good. And I just want to come back to, to this statement. You said, he wasn't my mission. He was my blank, the, the neighbor, the person at the library, whatever. Like, he wasn't my mission. He was my neighbor. And that, like, let's, let's talk about that phrase for a second. Um, because I know, I know for me, Sarah, she has the sweetest heart I've ever seen. And she has been my example, which I haven't really thought about until you just, just put it like this. Yeah. I was taking her to the grocery store one day. And she colored a picture before we left. And I was like, what's that for? She said, it's for our checkout person. And I said, you don't know our checkout person. And she's like, I made it for our checkout person. And I'm like, okay. So I take her to the store with me Mm -hmm. and we get to the checkout and she hands this to the checkout person and says, I made this for you before we left. And this person looked at her, eyes got so big. And she said, did you really? I said, I promise you that my child said, I made this for our checkout person. And she like... She got teary-eyed. She got so emotional. And I'm like, you are the sweetest human being that has ever existed. And and it's exactly that. Like, we didn't set out with this this mission of, like, I'm going to love the grocery store people today. Like, this is what. But Sarah did. Sarah did. And she wasn't our mission. Mm -mm. She was our checkout person. so good. So, I mean, that's the struggle that I'm having is I feel like, I feel like you said it. Like, I feel like you said, you know, everything that, that, um, that's in my heart. Like it's, it's, it's incredibly validating to me, you know, like I just, I just, I feel better. Um, I guess where, where my head goes is what about the days? Like, that's a beautiful takeaway. And I don't want that to get lost. What about the days where because of the chaos of our lives, I then feel ill-equipped to lead my children in being a Christ-like example? Like, how do they pick that up from me when my life is in chaos? So... That's so two things. The first thing that comes to mind is that is the one of the best teaching points for your kids. When you allow them to see messiness, when you allow them to see that you don't have it all together and it's okay. Mm-hmm. If you're always putting it on this front of I know the answer, I know what to do. Yes, I am just filled with grace, mercy, goodness every single day, then you set them up to be a perfectionist. You set them up to have a incomplete picture of what it means to be a Christ follower. And so what you do is you invite your kids into your mess and you say, I don't know. I I don't know how to do this. And there were so many messy days. Um, One of the things I think about, I had this little weird little blog for years and it's, oh, don't call it weird. I it's love just it. <laughs> it feels 
feels a little painful to say that it was like this weird little blog. But my husband, but was who it is the best. Was it a Zanga? <laughs> My husband was the best. He took all of the blog entries from all those years and put them into a photo book for Christmas. Mm. And so now I have years worth of my writing and my kids love. It's so funny. What they love to do is they love to go back and read what a mess I was. They love (laughs) to read about when I threw the hairbrush across the room in the morning because I was so mad that Fia wouldn't eat a dang blueberry muffin. And I was just so mad. And so, yes. And, And it's just real life. And so you don't have to have it all figured out. But I would also say the flip side to this is just challenge to church leaders out there is where is the church investing in kids? Where is the church not by putting slides and playgrounds in their kids spaces, not by spending thousands of dollars on video curriculum, but the staffing required to equip and resource parents? Where is the church saying this is the number one priority for us or we are going to die? But I don't see that happening. So often the children's directors, the children's pastors are the ones that are working maybe 10, 15 hours or it's a volunteer or it's you do not have normally pastors of children, pastors, Mm. of family, where you put the highest level leaders into equipping families. I just don't see that. And so as a parent, be messy. As a church leader, put your money where your mouth is. You know, you know, Mandy, now you've, yeah, you got me in my feelings. Yeah. Like, yeah, I wasn't even listening to Drake today, but now you got me. (laughs) Drinking and driving. You got me in my feelings now. So I've like the first time that I seen like mission acted out and not talked about. I came from a church culture that was like shifting, but I we just talked about it. We just learned stuff about it. We read books. So the first time I actually seen it is when I was like connected like through the Martin Center and Love Canton in those ways. So that was the first time I like seen it. So I seen that at the Martin Center and took part in it. And then, like, I actually, like, I'd never seen families, like, in your backyard that day. That was the first time <laughs> I cite that often yeah. that, I'd ever, that I'd ever seen that. And it, like, expanded my imagination in, like, really, well, yeah, like, huge ways. So, Mandy, I guess my question is, well, comment first. So I feel like... In planting a missional church, I learned that, like, everything that I had known about mission was the institution in a different outfit. Mm, So it it was literally, like, it was the institution, but... That's going to be one of the IG bumpers right there. We just changed our language. We changed the way we said stuff. But at the end of the day, like, what I was being measured by, everything, it was still the same things. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think one of the last transitions that we're really trying to make, like some transitions are easy to make. It's like, well, we're just not going to be a part of the worship industrial complex and we're just going to be authentic and sing from the heart. And there are other things that we can do to like step out of that. But with kids, 
first off, it's just it's so difficult because our church is younger and everyone's almost in that same phase. Yeah. So even like for a Sunday morning to like, it's like, man, we're all dog beat. So like everyone wants to come in and worship. Everyone needs their kid held. So it's like, who's going to hold the kid? So it's that. But then also it's this deal where in missional circles, like that was just something I've almost never seen done well. Mm-hmm. Like it was always like take the kids and plop them in a the basement or like, just like do something like so I mean, yep. so could you give us like if you could just give us like some tips even like what like what do what do you do where do you start yeah walk it walk us through a transition solve all of our kids ministry issues <laughs> right now roughly 90 seconds if you could it is so hard it is so hard so just let me encourage you to say that there are no right answers. There's no right way to do it. It's going to be incredibly messy. Some people are just going to say, peace out. I'm going to go up the road to the place where I can drop off my kid with a security badge and pick them up an hour later and be done for the week. You know, like you have to find people who are committed to family, um, committed to being the church. And it has to you have to cast vision for that. You you really do. And so there are a couple of tips, you know, have kids in worship with you. That to me is a game changer because they're in class for a shorter amount of time and every adult gets to worship. So that right there is an easy win for me. Kids in worship, they're present. People are used to them. They see them. Missional community stuff, you're right. It's dang near impossible. So I wrote all of our curriculum for our kids when we had a missional community because there's nothing out there. There's absolutely nothing out there that I could find. So I just had to write all of it. There are a number of ways to deal with kids in missional communities to make them part of, one of. But again, it's casting that vision of they are part of who we are. And so you have to have people invest in them. You can't say we invest in kids, but mean I invest in kids by paying somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be the entire church and you have to talk about it all the time. And so I think, and I don't know, that's such a hard question because I could spend days talking about it and I can't wait to sit down with you outside of the podcast and say, these are all the ideas Um, But I think, too, just really valuing kids and saying they're not a nuisance. They are part of who we are. I think the church for a long time has treated them as something to entertain while we do the real work of worship and learning and leadership. And they just go to the classroom and watch a video. And so you really have to invest resources. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're paying a worship person... 40 hours a week, or if you're paying a worship person 25 hours a week, but paying your kids person something differently, you know, that, that just speaks to, you know, what, what you're going to find in your church. You know what I mean? And then ask for help, ask for help. Say, this is a problem. I don't know what to do. Um, so I don't think that's a great answer at all, but I feel like it's such a huge question that I'm not sure how to answer it succinctly. I just like, (laughs) yeah, my, uh, 
my my head and my emotions are all over the place right now. Um, <clears throat> as I like sit here and like have this conversation with you guys, I think to be completely like raw and real for a second, I think like this hits on first of all one of the um, there are a number of reasons that that your friendship adds value to our lives. But one of the major reasons that your pastoral leadership adds value to our lives is because like what you're speaking to speaks like truth into a very like probably my biggest fear as a pastor. My biggest fear as a pastor is that I will lead this church. um, I will give my life to leading this church but as a result of the way that I give my life and lead, um, my kids will hate the church. Mm. And so every single day I wake up in every decision I make wrestling with the consequence that these decisions, good or bad, consequences can be good or bad, good or bad, that they'll have on my children and not just because, you know, I'm the one making them or I'm the one that's going to have to be there. And so like that's time away from them, but also because they're members of this church too. And, and so I think like, and even just stepping back, like as a, as a parent, I think that's all of our fears is that we will do something in our parenting that will Mm -hmm. cause our kids to, to hate God or to or to hate the things that we put them, you know, a part of. And I think the the main way I've seen you guard against that with your own family cuz you've been in pastoral leadership uh official in un, in official and unofficial capacities <laughs> since I've known you. Mm-hmm. Um one of the ways I've seen you guard against that in your family is by including them the entire way, which goes back to what you said in the beginning. And I just like, I just need help with that. Like, I don't feel like I do that. Well, I don't feel like I, you know, I, I know how to, um, lead in those areas all the time. And so, I mean, I guess part of me is just saying this because like, I, I appreciate that you lead well in those ways. Um, but, but are there, are there any, are there any other like things that you that you can speak to to that specifically in the regards of like as parents, we don't want to lead our kids astray by our actions. Um, but also, I mean, yeah. That's so good because our kids are getting older and I'll be careful not to use names because you kind of have to protect their privacy. Um, But they've been all over the map, right? Um, Just even this past, so Good Friday, we sat around the living room and we read a portion of the Bible and I delivered what I thought was, I even texted you guys, I delivered what I thought was an amazing amazing talk about not getting stuck in good Friday and like the hope of Sunday and there are people stuck. I mean, it was, it was really amazing. I wish I could recount it all, (laughs) but I basically crushed that. But so I get done with what 
<laughs> with my amazing dog. And one of my children looks straight at me and says, but are we right? And I... I was just thinking, didn't you hear me? Didn't didn't you hear all the wisdom I just dropped My on you? My amazing sermon and left you with a question? And Your question said, should be answered, young child. Yes, we should have a baptism right here. But, but we didn't. They said, but are we right? Or what if we're wrong? Whew. Right? And that's, that's parenting in a nutshell, I think, as you're raising your kids to know God, to love God, to hear from God, is that really your biggest responsibility is to give space for God to work in their heart. And so if you create space and open the Bible and just say, let's read, that that's it. And then you say, one of the best things too, and we were so lucky to have church culture where listening prayer was a thing, where you just sat silent. And so all of my kids will just sit in the living room and we'll say, okay, we're praying for this person. We're going to be silent for three minutes, hmm. hear from God. Now, that might be weird for the first time if your kid is 15 and you've never done that before, but <laughs> if your kid is two, three, four, they do. They, it's fine. It's great. Yep. You can... Actually, the kids are full of wonder. And so mm -hmm. I would say you don't have to work so hard. There is grace for you that God will. I mean, the story about Sarah, it's not as if you told her, hey, we need to color pictures so people will feel loved and know yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that, that didn't come from me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. And so that's the other thing, too, is we asked the kids at the beginning of the year, we said, how, when do you feel closest to God? What do you do when you feel closest to God? And it was funny. Some, one of the kids said, you know, when I need him, when, when I'm sad, when I'm feeling all my feelings. And if you know my kids, you know what kid that is. And then the other kid said, when I work, I like to work and help others. Yes, Glory. of course. And then another kid said worship. I love listening to worship music. And so God gave you the children he gave you. He doesn't want you to not be Corey. He doesn't want you to not lead your girls on this incredible adventure of changing the world together. You don't have to be a different person in order to parent your girls. You just need to be the person that God created you to be, and they will follow you as you follow him. Mm -hmm. This is not a formula. It's not a chart. It's not anything. It's the more you follow and listen to God and invite them into those spaces— that's it. Yep. That's good. That's helpful. Yeah. So as somebody who um, is pretty overwhelmed when my schedule has blocks on it every day, mm -hmm. um, like I'm one of those people that wakes up in the morning and when I see on my iCal that there's no dot that day, I'm like, oh, thank you, God. If I see that there's too many dots in a row, I'm tired before I've even opened it up to see that it's just iCal putting a, uh, a holiday on there that I didn't know existed. <laughs> like, I'm overwhelmed oh when I see the dot. So 
like the the pressure that I feel lifted when you're talking is that I don't have to add things to my calendar to do quote mission well. Mm. That that feels like a huge relief to me because I we got our first kid in school. She's wanting to sign up for activities. And I'm looking at them like, oh, no, there's three of them. There's going to be three of them signing up for activities. Please, All activities. Jesus. All the money we used to have. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I, like, I'm tired before my second one's even in kindergarten because I'm just thinking about all of them wanting to do things and how do I do that and, and run the church and how do I do that and chase after what I'm passionate about and what I'm hearing you say is you don't have to add things. No. Just invite your kids into what you are already doing. Invite If you feel called into it, odds are your whole family is going to be there. And if your kid wants to join something, great. Like, let her color a picture for the person that's there. Like, so what, I, what I'm hearing you say is it's actually just living in your life rhythm. Yes, and welcome to the world of suburban mission that takes place Uh not on the streets, but on the sidelines. And so you are getting invited into a whole new world of mission when your kids begin signing up for activities. And yes, learn to say no to what's not important, but then just embrace it. It is the best thing to be on the sidelines and the conversations that you will have with people and the opportunities that you will have to encourage and empower people is just unbelievable. My son, I'm a soccer mom. I've wanted to be a soccer mom my whole life. And I am, I got my minivan and I go to all the soccer games and it's the best thing in the world. (laughs) But here's the thing that we always tell my son about soccer is that, yeah, I mean, I'm super competitive. I want him to win every time, but also God is shaping his character. He is being shaped to be a leader. He's being shaped to be an encourager. He's being shaped to lose well, to win well. I mean, there's so many things that happen and don't miss it. Don't, don't miss it thinking that your kids' activities are an inconvenience. They are an opportunity. That's it. That's it right there. Um, Man, I, I I want to uh, I want to thank you for uh, for hanging out with us um, because I like I feel enriched and I feel refreshed honestly like as a parent uh, who's gonna go home after this and whose kids are gonna be loud as heck because we have friends coming in from out of town to see them. Um, I I am like re-energized to like both parent my kid and um, be on mission with with my children. I think if I could leave us with any thought, it's like exactly the way that you started, which is like, hey, young family, like we see you, we see you. There's a, there's a tradition that Rachel and I have every Sunday that I preach, uh, and that is that when I get done uh, with, with the sermon, as we move into a time of response for the congregation, she finds a way to meet up with me somewhere in uh, the sanctuary slash gym to slip me a piece of gum before I pray for anybody. 
Um, yes. The reason that she does that is because once upon a time, um, a little bit ago, uh, my kids came running up to me after I had preached um, and after we had done response time. They had come out of their kids' classes. They found me. They they ran up to me and they and one was hugging me on 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 each side. And Sarah Sarah says to me, uh, she shows me the picture that she had colored in in class today with with Miss McQuita, and she was like so excited. Uh, about church that day. And I look at Kaylee expecting the same type of reaction from her. And she says, Dad, did you pray for people with bad breath? And so (laughs) I just want to say to the young family, like, we see you. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs, usually almost immediately after the ups. Uh, It's all good. The Lord's grace is sufficient for you. We love you. We're with you. Bless up. (laughs) 